0: Today we get to uh, the penultimate, the, the week before the end of the, the series of our He Would Love First series. We're going to spend the last two weeks getting really practical. I've promised you we're going to get practical. We're going to get into what's happening in the world around us and how do we answer the questions and how do we deal with the confusion and the, and the complex nature of, of love as it relates to uh, both our biblical worldview and the world around us. Like how do, we, how do we do that? How do we bridge those things? We've gotten a lot of great questions from uh, you guys, more than you would think, from email, text messages, people saying, okay, so we talked about this and here's what's going on in my life. Here's what my cousin said, my neighbor said, my coworker said, they're dealing with this or they're involved in that or they've identified as this, that or the other and what do I do? So we're gonna get into that. What I'm going to try to do today is create a framework to help us navigate the issues around love and sex and gender, including but not limited to the LGBTQ world that we live in, okay? So, so we're trying to create a framework on how do we make our way through the world in truth, but in love as well. How do we do it like Jesus did? So uh, people are precious. Everyone uh, on this earth is made in God's image. People are precious, fearfully and wonderfully made. And each scenario that they are in, that you are in, is unique and dynamic. So where do we start? As you might imagine, we start that, uh, with the idea that loving someone is like shooting a basketball. That's where we're going to start. I'm um, going to put Steph Curry on the screen. Steph Curry uh, is, uh, there's not really a debate. He's the, the greatest shooter, basketball shooter, in the history of the universe. Um, he practices in the summer to the degree that um, he doesn't count it. He, like, he has to make a thousand shots a day. In his summer off-season workouts, and he doesn't count it as a make if it hits the rim. It can hit the rim and go in, and he doesn't count it. He said, That's a miss. It needs to go straight in, only nut. He's incredible. And he's has like otherworldly gifts on how to do this. Somehow, I don't even know how. I stumbled onto this on the internet. There, he has a masterclass, this thing you can pay for and learn how to cook or write a romance novel or whatever you want to do. And he has a masterclass on how to shoot a basketball. And um it was so fascinating to me because I've never uh, I've never been to any master class, much less his. And as someone who played basketball my whole life, I was curious what he might say. And he says, if you look at a, a basketball rim, there's these little hooks on the rim that hold the net in place. And he says, if you take three of them, they're about the same width as a basketball. And so I don't look at the wholeness of the rim. I look at those three hooks. And anywhere I am around the rim, because it's a circle, I can find three hooks and that's where I aim. He says, my focus is always on that. My focus is on those three, and you're like, well, moving really fast in the middle of a game with a six-foot-eight guy guarding you, you're not really looking at that. And what he's essentially saying is, I've gotten so good at that in practicing that it, it becomes like this, this uh, subconscious, I just innately can do it now. And so he said, before you get to form, before you get to your follow-through, before you get to any of the things that, that are like the mechanics of shooting a basketball, the thing that matters most is your focus. Where are you looking? And I think this is brilliant, because our focus has to be the first thing. Like, like, you can have all of the greatest technique in the world, and if the basket is there and I'm facing over here, probably not going to make the shot, right? It's, that's a really hard thing to do. If your focus is on the wrong place, all the mechanics don't matter. That's where we want to start when we answer the question, how do I practically love people in a modern world? If your focus is in the wrong place, all of the right mechanics don't really matter, okay? Jesus says, this is going to be hard, In Matthew 5, what we know as the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, okay, you go through all that. Matthew 5, verse 11, we pick up there. He says, Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because your reward in heaven is great, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Okay, so what's happening? The point is not to show you that you'll be persecuted. You might be, who knows? The point is in verse 12. So verse 11 says, people aren't going to get it, and the heavy work of the kingdom is likely to get you insulted, not praised. So if you're going into it to be liked and affirmed, maybe you're going in with the wrong idea. I was online recently, and um, my daughter introduced me to a, a preacher, a talented young preacher in Tulsa named Mike Todd. And I was watching uh, a clip from one of his sermons that kind of went viral, and he's, he's, he's like kind of... Famous for these crazy illustrations. Like, if he's going to do the get out of the boat thing, they, they build a lake on the stage and then he's in a boat while he's preaching. It's just kind of one of those things where I'm like, I don't think I would do that, but I love to watch what he comes up with because he's just brilliant in the way that he creates these illustrations. And so he has one illustration and I won't even get into it, but it was like, okay, this is next level. And it's kind of shocked the people in the audience, but he made this incredible point. And it's about a five minute clip. And I, I I'm not supposed to do this on YouTube, I don't know if you know this, and I scroll down just a little bit to the comments. This is, by all means, faithful guy, married to one woman, great dad, just like loves his community, nonprofit work. like he's an incredible human being in every respect. And the first comment on this video is, how abusive is this? the idea that that there's a Jesus, the idea that there's a gospel, the idea that there's a a way and there is truth and there is a life that's that's held in that. The first comment was about how abusive Christianity was. The second comment was how oppressive Christianity was. And I thought, yeah, that's about it. We're going to spend seven weeks preaching, you know, some countercultural ideas about love. And if you think that there aren't some scowls out in the community— there aren't a couple eye rolls from people going, oh, there they go again. Love is going to get you gossiped about, not glorified. When you do it the way that Jesus did it, love will get you gossiped about, not glorified. So what does Jesus say in verse 12? I said, verse 12 is the key here. He says, rejoice, rejoice, take joy, celebrate. With, if you're persecuted or insulted, as you're going about the way of, of, of living out my life, if that's, if that's your lot, celebrate rejoice take joy why why quote because great is your reward in heaven Jesus is telling us where to focus in this life Jesus is explaining where our focus is where are our three hooks was we're looking at trying to make you know he's giving us a sense of what we're supposed to be looking at love your enemies pray for those who persecute you give up your life sacrificially serve people radically how can we possibly do this Jesus he goes you have to focus on the right things consider the eternal. Focus on the everlasting. Let your heart marinate in truth. Let your security be in heaven. Let your approval be the applause of angels. If your focus is on the right things, then the things that are happening down below, the things that happen as you live out the life you're called to, those things don't bother you because you have a higher calling, you have a higher gaze. So Steph Curry's looking at the rim, seeing three hooks, Not seeing a 6'8 guy with his hand up in front of him. He is in another world when he's shooting a basketball. His focus is in the right place. Jesus says, eyes on me, eyes on truth, eyes on eternity. King David says it another way. In a difficult time, King David in Psalm 63 says, God, you are my God. I earnestly seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life, and my lips will glorify you. Because your love is better than life, my lips glorify you. David's facing tough times in the desert in Judah, and he says to God, your love is better than life. And death is nipping at his heels out there. He is not far away from it. And what's his posture? Eyes on God, eyes on love. We got this. So you're thinking, okay, we get it, focus, I get it, my heart in the right place, my eyes focus on Jesus, you've yet to do something practical here. How do I practically love in this crazy world? Here are some of the real questions I've gotten this month, just to give you a sense of what we're dealing with. Some of the real questions are real kind of emails that show up. My friend is transitioning genders, what do I do about that? Good question. My friend just told me they were non-binary, what do I say to that? My friend uh, is homosexual and getting married and invited me to their wedding. Do I even attend or do I host a shower for them? What's my role? So focused on Jesus and the eternal, let's create a framework with how to deal with life. We're actually going to, uh, and it's an ode to Steph Curry, we're going to create three hooks, actually, and we're going to hang truth on those hooks and apply it there. Before I get to the three hooks, three disclaimers. I'm going to to read these. I wrote these down. Three disclaimers. These questions deal with specific, specific sins, but not special sins. The sins we're looking at in the world, they're, not, they're, they're specific, but they're not special. Delicate topics, but go back and listen to week one of this series and be reminded how I said that heterosexual, my heterosexual orientation and the sins that can come out of that are no different than someone who's navigating the LGBTQ world, okay? Specific sins, not special. Sin is all the same. Two, disclaimer number two, we're not here to demean anyone. We're not here to diminish anyone's lived experience. We are here to love radically. Evidence by the way we sacrificially give our lives away to see other people gain true life. Disclaimer number three. I don't know if you know this. I'm not the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's a good thing. So you have to be listening to the whispers of the Holy Spirit. You have to be sensitive to the nudges of the Holy Spirit in your life if you are going to love well. Because every context is different. Every situation is unique. As they say, the kids these days, your mileage may vary. So as we create guidelines and kind of hooks to hang things on, what we want to do is be sensitive to the person of the Holy Spirit who lives in us and through us. And so if you are nudged to do something that seems to fall outside of the guidelines that we create today, do that thing because the Holy Spirit will lead you to the right thing. Okay? Now, give me something practical to help me, you say. Okay. You ask, what do I do? I love you guys. I'm going to start with what you can't do. Don't do this. Okay, hook number one is what you shouldn't do. But it is practical. Start by thinking of each person, each soul, everybody in your life as a, a little cottage. Maybe a little cottage in the woods. We'll put one on the screen. Does this cottage look familiar? It belongs to the seven dwarfs. Remember how this goes? Snow White. You remember her peeking in through the window? There she comes. She's gonna come peek in the window. Snow White, there she is. Oh, She's got that mousy voice, and she's talking to the deer and the raccoon, and there's a turtle following along real slow, and she's looking in, and it looks so quaint and warm in there. So what does she do? Snow White peeks in, breaks in. It's a felony. (laughs) Then what happens because of her felony? There's an attempted murder. All of the dwarves are in danger. People are poisoning fruit. Augustus Gloop falls into a chocolate river. Um starts with a, an innocent little line, though, right? I'll just let myself in. I'll just, I'll just let myself in. Just see who's here. Yoo-hoo, she says in her snow-whitey voice. Look at this little chair. And she just starts ruining everyone's life. They were happy. The dwarves had no problems. They whistled. They worked. They whistled some more. Everything was okay she shows up and everything goes upside down. What's wrong with that? Okay, let's go to your house. Okay, we've been to their house, let's go to your house. Imagine coming home to your home, you leave. go home, and there's someone waiting for you inside your house right now. How do you feel about that? You might start to scream in panic, you might dial 911, you might pick up a golf club. I don't know what you're gonna do, but that's not really a welcome sight. And they say, as you pick up the phone to call the police as you're screaming, they say, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. I have something really great to tell you, and you've been doing some part of your life wrong, and I'm here to fix it. Uh-huh. Anyway, there's this person in my house. You're not listening to that. They broke into your house. Maybe someone knocks on your door. This happens a little bit more often, more in the summer than the winter. But they, they show up to your door, and they're selling something. And you, you say no, thing. sometimes you open the door and you give them the courtesy of like hearing out the first 30 seconds of their pitch and then you send them on their way. We have a rule in my house. My wife is not allowed to let them start their pitch because she loves those sales pitches. She's just like, it's such a good idea though. I mean, I know our, we got a new roof last year, but he said he could tear that one off and put on a newer one. We're not allowed to say that. So, so sometimes you have to talk through the door. No, thank you. Please go away. So that person, selling whatever they're selling, they smash through the window. They say, you know what, I'm going to get a running start. And they see that front window on your house your apartment, and they take a run, and they put their shoulder in, and they just army roll into your living room. And now they're just standing there looking at you, they're brushing glass off of their shoulder, and they need to tell you about this pest control plan that's going to change your life. (laughs) Or you didn't know you needed a free chimney estimate, did you? But I'm here to give you one. Are you buying anything from that person? No. So, what are we talking about? Think of each person as a little house in the woods. When it comes to sharing truth, most of us are snow white to the people around us. Most of us decide we are going to let ourselves in, make ourselves comfortable, and then dispense truth. This is called breaking and entering. And then we're shocked. We're shocked that the people around us don't want what we're selling. People will argue with me and they say, wait, 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 yeah, but this is different because like, what if the house is on fire and you break the window to help them get out? It's like you're going in to save them, to get them out of the burning house. I'll say, that's fair. What if you knock on the door, you knock on the door and you say, hey, your house is on fire and the person that you're telling this to nods and goes and sits back down to have a cup of coffee. They're good with it. That's where they want to be. This is fine. And you can't drag that person out of the burning house. You aren't saving them anyway, but you cannot bully people out of the flames of life. Holy Spirit draws. Jesus saves. So what is hook one as we build a practical framework on how to love people? Hook one. Enter where you are invited. Crashing through a window selling salvation isn't helpful. Okay, you say, that's one hook, but you didn't answer the question. Specifically, what do I do? You named some situations, you heard some questions, what do I do? Let's ask Jesus. Jesus sent out his disciples with instruction. Luke chapter 10, verse 5. When you enter a home, Jesus says, greet the family. Peace. If your greeting is received, then it's it's a good place to stay. But if it's not received, take it back and get out. Don't impose yourself. Stay at one home. Taking your meals there for a worker deserves three square meals. Don't move from house to house looking for the best cook in town. And when you enter a town and are received, eat what they set before you. Heal anyone who is sick and tell them God's kingdom is right on your doorstep. When you enter a town and are not received, go out on the street and say, the only thing we got from you is the dirt on our feet and we're giving it back. Do you have any idea that God's kingdom was right on your doorstep? So hook number two according to Jesus, is find people of peace. Hook number one, enter where you're invited. Hook number two, find people of peace. Usually this is found in relationship. Maybe it's a divine encounter. You met someone at the grocery store on the side of the road, whatever. That's where the Spirit leads you, right? Most of the time, these are relationships you are already in. And, And Jesus is saying where there is peace in those relationships, lean in. Where there's an invitation, where there is peace, that's where you lean in. Have a meal, have a conversation, give away truth. Where there isn't peace, don't impose yourself. Shake the dust. Why? Because every minute you spend browbeating someone who isn't open to what you're saying anyway is a minute you're wasting that you could have been loving someone in real relationship. So find people of peace and engage. So your friend says they're transitioning or pansexual or, or heterosexual and sleeping around, whatever. No special sins. But they're not asking your opinion. Are you just supposed to be cool with it? Like, okay, cool. It's not what we said. You don't celebrate and affirm every life decision that every friend makes. But if you're not invited into the house, Jesus says you have no place there. If everyone you met just focused on your area of sin or weakness, how would that go? Like, like apply it backwards. If we said there's no special sins and we're all sinners and fall short, we all have areas we're still working on, we're all still trying to get to that place where we're more and more like Jesus as we live this life. You meet someone and you're having a conversation and you kind of half know them from work or you kind of half know them from childhood or whatever and you hear on their Facebook, you see on their thing and and then you just want to lean into them a little bit and they go, you know what, I can't be friends with you. Your greed and your pride keeps us from being friends. It is your special sin that removes our chance for relationship and I'm out. How would that feel? We would, no one would have friends. I don't know if you know this. No one would have friends. And so the answer isn't run from them. The answer is that thing they are not opening up for you to address yet. And so your job is to go deeper in relationships, to go deeper in love, to go more radical in the way you serve, to go more radical in the way you love. Your job is to dig in deeper, not run away because they have a special sin, because guess what? You have one too. So, you love the person. And if the door gets opened in the course of that relationship, and sometimes you knock, that's okay. It's okay to knock. If the door gets open, then you enter. If not, you keep loving like Jesus, you keep pouring your life out, you keep serving sacrificially. And people will say, okay, but then practically, how? Hook number three ask questions and really listen hook number one don't enter where you're not invited hook number two find people of peace what do i do with them hook number three ask questions and really listen we're gonna go deep on this next week today i will tell you we are terrible listeners we are terrible listeners societally individually we are bad at listening to other people we are self-absorbed, we like to hear our own thoughts, spoken, and when other people are speaking, we are thinking our thoughts and getting them ready for the next chance I have to show off my brilliance. The average person is a bad listener who gives bad lectures. And that's the average relationship, is two bad listeners giving bad lectures at each other, bad explanation of story, bad lecture back and forth. This is the average relationship. You may have some great ones, and I'm for that, but the average person not great at this. Here's the story. Modern people, modern people will reject your fancy speech. Modern people will reject your best attempt to give them a great lecture based on their life. Modern people reject that, especially when they haven't invited you in. But modern people are somehow as bad a listener as we are. We are the most vulnerable people, too. We will actually open the door in ways that previous generations won't. Modern people are really open to honest relational questions. Why is that important? Because we want to assign people dignity. We want to look at every house in the woods. We want to look at every person we come across as precious and made by God. And when you ask questions, you get below the surface skirmishes that culture wants to give us, and you actually learn to love the person underneath there. You learn to know the person and to love the person, but you have to ask enough questions to get to that person because, on the surface, everybody's a train wreck. We all have our own various versions of that, but everybody's got our issues. And it's not until you get below that that you realize where that came from. Socrates famously said, Be kind, for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. We say that a lot around here. Everyone is in a battle. I would add this, that everyone also has a few core needs that they're fighting for. Everyone has a few core needs that they're fighting for. And so how do you figure out what those needs are of the people that you're trying to love? Because if you're going to love somebody, you're going to supply their needs. You're going to see to their needs. You're going to love them where they're lacking. You're going to sacrificially lay your life down to give them the thing that would make them whole. Sounds like Jesus. How do you figure out what the needs are of the people around you? You have to hear their story. You have to learn the origin of their brokenness. You have to listen for their pains. You have to learn their unmet needs to find out where they need to be loved. It's like the guy coming to the house and knocking on the door and offering us a new roof. He didn't even look that we got a new roof last year. I'm not listening to him. But man, if you took the time, if you've been my friend and you're looking around my house, you go, this could actually use some work. i go, okay, tell me more about that. Are the people in your life chasing security or trust or empathy or just validation? That's how love gets built. Love gets built by asking the questions to figure out what's going on in the heart of the other. That way you can look at somebody and say, "I I actually, I hear your heart. I, I think, are you saying... Uh, make sure I'm hearing this right. Are you saying this? Are you saying when you were a kid that? Are you saying that, oh, okay. Well, now I hear your heart. I think I can see your needs. Uh, and then you get to ask that question we love so much. How can I help? How can I lean in? How can I be part of your story? How can I love you radically? How can I serve you? But it starts with asking questions and really listening. And I don't know if you came in hoping that I was going to have this like really magic pill that I was going to give everybody and you're going to be the best person ever at changing the world and reforming culture and it would be like this easy, it's not easy. Jesus says it wasn't going to be easy. But a humility and an others focused posture establishes our credibility as human beings with other human beings. If that sounds a little wishy-washy to you or that sounds a little too sensitive to you, I'm going to say it again so you hear it again. Humility and others' focused posture establishes our credibility. Not the biggest megaphone I can find. Humility and others' focused posture establishes our credibility with other human beings. If you don't recognize this As important, you need to go back and read your New Testament and see the life of Jesus and ask yourself, what established his credibility with the people he was with? It was his humility and his others-focused posture. Peter, follow me. John, follow me. Nathaniel, follow me. He didn't bully them into it. He loved them into it. That sort of posture shows someone that you care more about them than you care about your own agenda. And you may have an agenda for them. Jesus had an agenda for Peter. But he had to first prove to Peter that he loved Peter right where Peter was. Once you start in that realm, doors open. Doors start opening to the gospel being communicated through sacrificial and your loving presence, and and doors start opening to real conversations, and doors start opening to the pain and the, the truth, and doors start opening, but it requires us to ask questions and really listen. All the while, let this not be unsaid, you pray. You ask the God of the universe who can move mountains to work in the hearts of the people you are attempting to love. So many of us are trying to do things without God. We want God to give us some rules that we can go and do the thing and God is going, I am the rule. Come to me, pray with me, ask me. You want that heart opened? You keep knocking, but you ask me every day. God will say, I'll open that heart, watch me. And the things we've been doing for 15 years, the people that my wife and I have been working on for a decade, we never made an inch. God makes it happen, overnight. And we go, Phew. maybe we should have been talking to him all along. We ask the Spirit, Spirit, draw this person to you. Jesus, invade this heart and set it free. We are beseeching the God of the universe who does the work of salvation to do the work of salvation and maybe let us be a part. And while you're praying, if you're asked what your opinion is on some matter of someone's life, if you're invited to enter the room, if you're invited into somebody's house, that's good stuff. Go in with grace and truth in love. Enter where you're invited. Find people of peace and then learn how to listen in love. This is how Jesus loved. Jesus found insecure people, afraid people, wounded people, broken people. He knocked. Read the Gospels. When people opened the door and showed themselves to be people of peace, what did he do? He entered with truth, sometimes hard truth. But when the door was opened, he entered. Those who rejected him, he moved on and he let them move on from him. And the rich young ruler walked away sadly. Jesus knew his people. He knew when he, they knew when he showed up that when he entered a city, when love came to town, it was unmistakable. The town was in for a revolution. He read the rooms that he entered. He asked the questions of the skeptical. How many times did somebody ask a question of Jesus and he asked them a question back? Maybe to get an even, I mean, he's God, so he probably knows what's going to come up next. But maybe he needs everybody else to get a read on the heart. Maybe he needs them to say out loud what they're really feeling on the inside. So they'd say, Jesus, what about this? And he go, I don't know, what about that? And they'd go, well, okay, let me think about it. And all of a sudden, they're spilling out their life for him, and then he can take it and go, here's what we're aiming for. Jesus answered challenges with riddles and questions. Jesus invited himself to dinner with the biggest sinners in town, Jesus knocked on the door, and the religious didn't want to hear it. Jesus knocked on another door, and the the tax collector said, Yeah, come on in. Me? Are you sure? Jesus slowly softened the hardest hearts. Jesus is the model for how we deal with the thorny issues of our days. We cultivate relationships. We pour out our lives for others. We find homes and hearts of peace. And then we spend more time asking more questions And if necessary, if invited, we even occasionally give out an answer. The Holy Spirit is active and alive among us. What we are called to do is focus our hearts on Jesus and on love and on eternal things. Your reward is secured. Focus on that. Then as we focus on Jesus, as we focus on eternal things, we seek out people of peace, we enter where we are invited with gentle grace, and then we listen and we pray and we trust. The love that we're after is better than life and it brings the life that we are all longing for. And if we will do these simple Christ-like things, if we will walk the way that Jesus walked, my hunch is we will see greater fruit and greater salvation and greater freedom along the path. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is a uh, wildly complicated time that we live in. and Father, if we're honest, There are days we don't know how to feel about it. There are days we don't know what to say about it or do about it. Lord, uh, our prayer as a people is that you would give us hearts and posture like yours, that you would give us a humility and an others-focused heart that we might make ourselves credible so as to be usable in your work, so as to be accepted into open doors. Father, Father, we pray right now as the faces pop up in our own minds of the people we would most love to see turn to you. We all know people whose lives are in turmoil, who are following a crossway. Lord, I pray that you would call them to yourself, that you would be moving in front of us, that you would make a path and a way. And Father, as you make a way, we pray that you would use us in some small way to shine a light on your goodness and your truth. God, thank you for loving us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi again. Just a reminder to let us know that you're listening by heading over to bgcovenant.org connect. If you're ready to be known, we'd love to know you. And we hope you'll join us soon, every Sunday, in person or online.